hear me? Can you hear me now? I think... <laughs> I don't know if my microphone got a little... Um, it got fully immersed uh, this morning, and so did the front of my pants. So I'm going to try to stay in front of the pulpit as, as long as I can. So, But again, thank you so much. Uh, would not trade our time away last week for anything um, to have the cell phone and the text messages not happen for a week. I really thought I was going to need a patch to survive, but God was so good and um, had a wonderful time, had a wonderful time with Amy, amazing time, my Caribbean queen, and um, you should have seen her in the water when we went snorkeling, yes, she was, she was amazing, um, but uh, so glad to be back, and uh, my heart was here, and um, understand that Pastor John did an amazing job. And I tell you, I don't know if I should leave more often because Pastor Mark and Nell and Donna got a new roof put on and got the parking lot tore out while I was gone. I mean, hello, I should have left earlier and we'd have been done with the building by now. So anyway, so God is good, isn't he? All the time God is good. And his, his blessings, his mercies are new every morning. And I, um, I hope this morning you are already sensing the presence of God in this place. I, um, I'll tell you, there was one, one excited brother in the baptistry with me this morning, and uh, so um, God is good. Turn with me, if you will, to Leviticus chapter 5, Leviticus chapter 5, and the, the last two weeks in our gospel project study, we've been looking at the atonement, we've been looking at the sacrificial system, when the Israelites... Um, when Moses came down off of Mount Sinai, he not only came down with the Ten Commandments, he not only came down with the instructions for the tabernacle that God, the place that God wanted the uh, Israelites to construct uh, so that he could commune with his people. But then the last thing he then gives them instructions to is not just about the place, but then how a righteous and holy God could have fellowship with sinful and broken and fallen people. And that's where the sacrificial system uh, comes into play. And, and in two weeks, we get the big, broad strokes of the sacrificial system and all the sacrifices that were made. And we're not going to go over all of those this morning. I want to zero in on one particular passage here in Leviticus chapter 5 that is going to unpack for us and just paint with the broad stroke the need for the sacrifices. Read with me in Leviticus chapter 5. He says, If if anyone sins and that he hears a public adjuration to testify, and though he is a witness, whether he has seen or come to know the matter, yet does not speak, he shall bear his iniquity. Or if anyone touches an unclean thing, whether a carcass of an unclean wild animal or a carcass of unclean livestock or a carcass of unclean swarming things, and it is hidden from him and he has become unclean and he realizes his guilt, or if he touches human uncleanness of whatever sort the uncleanness may be with which one becomes unclean, and it is hidden from him when he comes to know it and realizes his guilt... 
Or if anyone utters his lips a rash oath to do evil or to do good, any sort of rash oath that people swear, and it is hidden from him when he comes to know it and he realizes his guilt in any of these, when he realizes his guilt in any of these and confesses the sin he has committed, he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation for the sin that he has committed a female from the flock, a lamb or a goat for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him for his sin. But if he cannot afford a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation for the sin that he has committed two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. He shall bring them to the priest who shall offer first the one for the sin offering. He shall wring its head from its neck, but shall not sever it completely. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar, while the rest of the blood shall be drained out at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering. Then he shall offer the second for a burnt offering according to the rule. And the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin that he has committed, and he shall be forgiven. But if he cannot afford two turtle doves or two pigeons, then he shall bring us his offering for the sin that he has committed, a tenth of an ephah of fine flour for a sin offering. He shall put no oil in it and shall put no frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering. And he shall bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take a handful of it as a memorial portion and burn this on the altar, on the Lord's food offerings. It is a sin offering. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin which he has committed in any of these things, and he shall be forgiven. And the remainder shall be for the priest, as in the grain offering. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we come before you now, and we thank you that It is only by you that we stand. It is only by you that we are here. It's only by you that we live and move and have our being. As we take a moment, we have, Lord, we have read your word. But God, I pray that we would hear from you. And we would listen for your voice. We would hear your voice this morning. And we would follow you in obedience and answer your call, whatever that would be, whatever you would require of us. We surrender our hearts and our lives to you around this table and around your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A few things this morning, and and this morning we're, this particular passage in Leviticus chapter 5 zeroes in on the sin offering. This was one of the many sacrifices that the Israelites were called to make for various reasons. The sin offering here, it zeroes in on there was even offerings, the sacrifices that you were to bring when you didn't even realize at first you were sinning until it was like sometimes it might be unintentional or accidental things. There was even sacrifices for that. Here we, we talk a lot about, well, I didn't mean to do it. Well, I didn't mean to. Have you ever heard that? We, we talk a lot. Motive has a lot of things. But here within, within God's economy and God's view, sin is sin. And we're so fallen, even when we, even when we don't mean to, we commit sins. Just because we're, we're sinners. So a few, a few things that from this passage. Number one, we must realize our sin. We must realize our sin. Four times in this passage with this particular offering, it, it goes through. If, if, 
if you do this, and then when the, when, when the person realizes their sin, when they realize their sin four times over and over and over, whenever anything in Scripture is repeated, what does that mean? We need to pay attention because we're, uh, we're hard of hearing sometimes. When God repeats something, it's not just because he's God and he can say things however many times he wants to, but it's, it's because it's something that we need to pay attention to. And here there's many times at the very beginning before he even gets into what the offering is supposed to be or what it's supposed to do, what is the very first thing the worshiper must do? We've got to realize. We've got to realize our own sin. Sometimes we're better at realizing the sins of others, are we not? Sometimes we're, we're so much better at picking out the speck in our brother's eye and we ignore the two-by-four in our own eye. Have you heard that somewhere before? I think Jesus had a lot to say about that. Sometimes we're better at pointing the finger at others than pointing the finger at ourselves. It reminds me in Luke chapter 18... The tax collector and the Pharisee went, were both in the temple court, and they were both praying. And the Pharisee looked up to heaven, and he <clears throat> cleared his throat. And he looked over and saw the, the tax collector over there. And in full voice, you know, he, he proclaims, Bless me, O Lord, thank you so much. I am not like the tax collector over there. That wicked man. Who does Jesus commend in the parable? The Pharisee who points out the sin of the other or the tax collector who beats his chest and says, Bless me, O Lord, for I am a sinner. Who was the more righteous? The one who had everything together on the outside but whose heart was filled with bitterness and pride? The one who was humble in the sight of the Lord. You see, there can be, there is no forgiveness. There is no forgiveness for us. There is no sacrifice for us if we don't realize first that we have sin. This is so strong that Paul would write in Romans, we all know it, that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no not one. And the Apostle John, one of the, one of the last things he wrote, he says, if, if we say that we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves. Meaning, translation, you're not fooling anybody else. You're just fooling yourself. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Whoa. That makes me step back. The whole need for the sacrifice is because we are sinners. But before we can receive the benefit of that sacrifice, we have to recognize and confess our own sin. We must confess to the Lord who we are. That at our, at our core, we're not righteous. We're not holy. We're, we are not in, in our being, on our own, we are, we are not righteous. We're sinful and we're fallen. And our very best 
is as filthy rags. There's two points of confession I believe the Bible teaches. Number one is the Bible teaches a point of confession at salvation. We call that justification. When we come before the Lord and say, Lord, I am a sinner and I need you to save me. And that's, that's one point in time in which every person must, must recognize and come to, that, come to that decision, that decision point. But even after the moment of salvation, the time between now and when Christ returns or calls us home, he calls each and, one, each and every one of us to daily confess our sin before the Lord. To daily clear the ledger before him. To daily get down on our hands and knees and say, bless me, Lord, for I am a sinner and I need your grace And I need your mercy, and I need your love, and I need your forgiveness. Bless me, Lord, for I am weak. Bless me, Lord, for I think the wrong things. Bless me, Lord, I say the wrong things. Bless me, Lord, I do the wrong things. Bless me, Lord, there's days days when I don't do what you've called and asked me to do. Lord, forgive me. We've got to stop right here. Before we go anywhere else, before we go any further in this passage, and we've got to clear our heart before the Lord. In a few moments, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper and remember the sacrifice that our Lord and Savior, His sacrifice for us. Before we can do that, we must confess our sin to Him. So in this moment, I'm going to just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we prepare our hearts. The Lord hears and answers our prayers. I want you to go to him right now. Ask him to search you, to try you, and see if there's any wicked way in you. Confess in your heart to the Lord right now your sin. Dear Lord, we cry out to you. And we confess our sin to you this morning. Our sin of attitude, our sin of action, our sin of omission. And Lord, we cling to your promise. In your word, that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Over throughout scripture, it speaks of the importance of repentance and confession, and that never stops for the Christian.
that never stops, that's every day. Not only must we recognize our sin, but number two, our sin requires a sacrifice. Our sin requires a sacrifice. For the Bible says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Every sin requires a holy and righteous God, requires punishment for sin. If he did not, he would cease to be holy and righteous. If he could just pick or choose, well, this is good. Oh, this is not. Well, we'll kind of kick this in the fairway, so to speak. You know, we'll kind of overlook this one. He, he must, in order to be fair, in order to be completely just for all eternity. And we've, we've already looked and seen that's part of who God is in his character. Completely perfect, completely righteous, completely just, completely loving, all at the same time. He requires a sacrifice. I wish there was just a, I mean, I wish there was a way to just wave a magic wand and just, you know, make it just, I wish there was another way. And yet here in Leviticus, here for the children of Israel, God revealed through the sacrificial system the picture of what was required for their sin. If you read through the Pentateuch and read through these laws, all these sacrifices for every specific little thing, all the requirements of being unclean and quarantining yourself and presenting yourself to the priest, all of these things, it was an innumerable set of laws and, and regulations and restrictions. I mean, it, would, it, it boggles your mind to study it and try to keep it all together. And an Israelite who recognized the sin, an Israelite who came and brought his sacrifice to the Lord, was called here in this sin offering, he was called to take a female lamb or goat from his flock and present it to the Lord as a sacrifice. Where literally, if you study the, the presentation of the sacrifices, the the Israelite would take his hand and place it on the animal that was going to be sacrificed. And then the blood of that animal would be spilt. The neck would be cut and the blood would be everywhere. All over him, all over the ground, all everywhere. The animal would groan as it died right there. It would be a bloody mess. It was not a clean, sanitary thing. And the priest would take the animal that was sacrificed on behalf of the the Israelite and he would offer it to the Lord on the altar to satisfy the wrath of God over sin. And he would do that over and over and over and over and over. Who knows each day how many Israelites lined up to bring a sacrifice of this or sacrifice for that, a burn offering, a peace offering, all, all of these different offerings. And the blood would flow and the blood would be spilt. Literally pool up and run down. 
And it was a picture. Sometimes we need to see the picture. We're, we're real sanitized to it. Sometimes we need to see it. And imagine in your mind the blood flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing day in and day out and day in and day out. And the smoke from the altar continually going up before the Lord. All because of our sin. Because sin requires a sacrifice. All the sacrifices in the Old Testament described here were a foreshadowing pointing forward to God providing the ultimate sacrifice. All of these sacrifices that happened over and over and over and over, they were a visual and physical reminder of the one sacrifice that would be for all. Here in this passage, the Israelite had to provide the offering. And yet God was going to show up in such a way in Christ. God was going to provide the offering for us. God in Christ provided the offering that we could not pay. He took the sacrifice that we could not make. He shed the blood that we could not shed to pay the price for the sin that we owed that we could never pay on our own. He paid it. In every other religion, in, every, in everything, you can go anywhere, anywhere in the world, any tribe, any tongue, any place on this planet, in every other religion, it's a process by which the worshiper works his way up to God or nirvana or enlightenment or whatever it is. The focus is, is on what the worshiper does, what I do. What you do. But not so with Christ. It's all about what he did. Because he did it all. He did all the things that we could not do on our own. We could never work our way up. We could never be holy enough or righteous enough. We could never make enough sacrifices. You know, you think about... Uh, Every year the Israelites celebrated the Day of Atonement and they sacrificed one animal to cover the sin of the people, the whole people for the whole year. This was sort of like, um, you know, Christmas being an Israelite. Like, think about every sin you committed that year just got forgiven based on that one thing. And that was pretty cool, right? I mean, this is like, who wants to, like, get out of jail free, right? Hello? That's the holiest day of the year in the Israelite calendar. And yet the very next day they had to, they had to keep doing all these other sacrifices. They still continued. When Christ came, it put an end to the need for any other sacrifice. Because his blood was enough. When we celebrate communion and we observe the Lord's Supper, Jesus sat with his 
disciples and they celebrated the Passover meal together. And at the Passover meal, they were, it was a reminder of the redemption of the Israelites from slavery and bondage in Egypt. The point at which they were no longer slaves, but they were free. And in the observance of Passover, a lamb is sacrificed. And at this meal with his disciples, before they even really realized fully Jesus' mission and his plan and what he was doing, he identified himself as the Passover lamb, the one who would be sacrificed once and for all. I'm going to invite our our deacons to come forward at this time, and we're going to remember the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, if you have um, accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are welcome to partake with us. This is the Lord's table. This is not our table. It's his And uh, we just want to encourage you in that. Let's go to the Lord in in prayer, and then I'll invite our deacons. We'll, We'll observe communion at this time. Dear Lord, we thank you so much that we pause right at this moment in the service. And Lord, we recognize our sin, and we have confessed our sin to you this morning. But Lord, we recognize you are the sacrifice. And we want to remember your sacrifice and give thanks this morning for yours is the only sacrifice that matters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. As we take this piece of bread, Lord, which will represent your body, Lord, that was beaten and broken and stabbed, that we might have eternal life with you, Lord, and the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you so much for that, Lord. And Lord, forgive me when I fail. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jesus was betrayed. He took the bread after supper, saying, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, as we are standing before you now, holding this cup, it represents the blood that you shed for us, that you came freely upon your Father's will to give your life for every person willing to accept you as their Lord and Savior. So, Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and for his will to follow your will. And it's my prayer now that each of us examine ourselves, that we would be doing the same thing, focusing on the sin in our life, giving that sin to you, that it's permanently taken away from us, and only you can do that. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are, the one true God that is always there, for us 
no matter what, that nothing can separate you from us that comes to us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we love you again, and we pray these things in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Likewise, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As the Israelite would come before the priests and he realized his guilt and he presented his offering and the offering was slain and the blood was shed. In the passage we read in Leviticus, it says, And the priest shall make atonement for the worshiper and his sin shall be forgiven. And his sin, not might be, his sin shall be forgiven. In chapter 4, in chapter 5, in chapter 6, over seven times, over and over and over again, it says, and his sin shall be forgiven. When we come before the Lord and we confess our sin to him because of his sacrifice and we trust in the blood and the power of him and him alone, his sacrifice cleanses us and makes us whole. And based upon him and his sacrifice and his word, which is true and is sure, we can proclaim as the priest of old would proclaim to the Israelite that our sin, not based on anything that we have done, but based on what Christ has done, our sin is forgiven. Who's thankful this morning that our sin can be forgiven? Who would testify this morning that you're thankful that God has forgiven your sin in Christ? Can I get an amen from that? Guys, we've been forgiven. We've been set free. We were born and shackled to sin. We were born slaves to sin. We were born condemned under a death sentence. And God himself wrote our pardon and paid for it with the, by the blood of his own son. Hallelujah. As we close this morning, as we've remembered Christ's sacrifice, let's not trample on his blood. Let's walk out of here as a people by faith who have been redeemed with thankful hearts and are trusting Him for today and for tomorrow. Amen? Amen. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who those, all those crazy people voted for yesterday. The Lord knows who they are. It doesn't matter. It does not matter who's in the White House What's the only throne that matters? God's throne. That's exactly right. And the last time I checked, he's still on his throne. Amen? Would you stand with me as we close together today? Dear Lord, we just, we love you so much. God, we can't even express our thanksgiving and gratitude to you for your, 
for your forgiveness, for the forgiveness that you offer. And in this moment, as we come at the end of this service and we have just a short time just to reflect and to give back to you, Lord, we, we open this altar. Lord, if, if there's someone here today that needs to receive that forgiveness, that, Lord, that, that is not sure, if you came back today, that they would be with you. God, I pray that in this moment right now, we can find forgiveness and just a a surety, a confidence based on what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have a time of invitation. Pastor Mark is going to lead us. This altar is open. Respond to the Lord as he he is calling to you today.